Late May 2020, as the business world emerges post-COVID-19, what are the lessons we can take forward? What are the initiatives for an uncertain future? Where do we find the tea leaves, the tarot cards, the stock tips, the market whispers? Where do we go from here? Given this production is named the ER Podcast from Profit from ERP, you can imagine what direction we'll take the topic. Most of the information we're dealing with these days, it emanates from the pandemic panic. And as any good economist knows, numbers can lie and, and often do shade the truth, especially when our source of information is a media that's rewarded for sensationalism for sensationalism's sake. So we need to look deeper to find the success stories, the actual business cases, find the money ball concepts, the underlying economic theories that we can bring into our daily business lives. So today on the ER Podcast, we'll take a look at one of the greatest supply chain stories our national media ever ignored. And in the software consulting world, we've been working nonstop gathering information to guide our clients. Nationally, results from thousands of companies' experience in today's market has been compiled. Regionally, hundreds of client companies have added input that mirrors the research we've done through our Profit from ERP website. Let's break out a few of those winning strategies today on the ER Podcast. I'm your host, Gene Hammonds, telling you nothing you don't already know, just in a way you might not quite have thought of before. Today's podcast is being brought to you by the Alliance of Excellence Software Coalition. It's a loose federation of software resellers, partners, consultants, and resources who share one thing in common. They are all really good at what they do. You know, I've been in the ERP business for a long time. I've seen a lot of things and people come and go. And when I've worked on a really successful ERP engagement, the kind where the software pays for itself in short order, I remember those folks, the partners who implemented and did such a good job. And I look forward to working with them again and again. So today with Profit from ERP, we're not selling software. We're not doing implementations. We're simply helping make sure our clients get the profit or the return from their investment in ERP. We don't sell the software. We don't sell the services. We simply sell the profit from ERP. So we have to work with the best in order to give every engagement the potential to work. And another thing about ERP, there's a great fit in nearly every ERP platform. Some companies will use Infor for others, Sage, Microsoft, NetSuite, Acumatica, Intact. I could go on listing for a while. But the point is, with our clients, whatever ERP they need, we've likely got an Alliance of Excellence company to work with. How does an ERP partner or reseller get to join the Alliance of Excellence Software Coalition? There's only one way. Personal experience with Gene Hammonds, that's me, or past experience with profit from ERP clients. If that sounds exclusive, it is but it means you end up with the best. Our job is to connect clients who are planning to improve their business through ERP with the right partners, the right ERP platform as well. Different industries, different size clients, different budgets, the fit is the thing. It really doesn't matter, well it does matter, but it matters less which software you pick, but it's important to have the right partner. And there's a lot of reasons that this industry sports a high failure rate because not everybody is one of the Alliance of Excellence Software Coalition. If you get ready to pull the trigger on an ERP project and you're looking for success, contact us at Profit from ERP and we'll hook you up with an Alliance of Excellence Software Coalition partner. You'll be halfway home already. Welcome back to the ER Podcast. 
In a massively successful supply chain operation recently, the Trump administration, in a unique public-private partnership, has gone from a huge shortage of ventilators in the U.S. to a huge glut at a time when it was first believed our governors would have to be selecting who must die from a presupposed ventilator shortage. It was an astounding turnaround in a critically short period of time, and it didn't get near the press it deserved because it's good news, and and that's the thing about the business pages. Business is a story of accomplishment. It doesn't make headlines usually, but those are the real human interest stories as far as I'm concerned. What humans can accomplish and do accomplish. And from my way of thinking, those are the stories of encouragement and inventiveness, of hard work and achievement that we need to be hearing to come up with a balanced view of our world. Here's the other thing. When we take these success stories and scale the underlying economic theories into our businesses, we improve our chances of coming out on top. Do you have the technology in your current business to be able to do that same thing? I mean, you may not be a multinational company or even a manufacturer slash distributor, but let's take a look at the technology underpinnings and examine how you might leverage the same technology, albeit perhaps on a more appropriate scale to your operations, and manage to do some impressive turnarounds of your own in your own business. Plus, over the last few months at Profit from ERP, we've talked to hundreds of businesses, all types of industries, because that's what we do since the beginning. Profit from ERP is a concept I developed a lot of years ago with a lot of software companies. I may have told you the story before. I've worked with Sage, Epicor, Microsoft, Ross, Lawson, NetSuite, and a few other dozen ERP brands over the years. One thing that has always bothered me, you could take the same software and the same implementation team, you could go into two companies, same industry, same size company, and one company would come out of the ERP project with guns blazing. The software would work so well, it would actually pay for itself by increasing bottom line profit within one or two quarters. Productivity would shoot up, efficiencies would snowball on each feature rollout. Meanwhile, the other company that implemented the same ERP, same consulting team, same industry, uh, when it came to project success, not so much. Yeah, they they would report things are, quote, better, unquote. Things improved with the new ERP. Business ran smoother, less errors, less duplication, rework. But they didn't have the huge success stories. Why? I wanted to know why one company did so much better than the other. And what I eventually came across was that the approach, the methodology of the internal company side of the project made all the difference. I studied that difference in the common things successful companies did. And that became the consulting methodology that formed profit from ERP. Like I like to say, nothing new you haven't heard before, just in a slightly different way of hearing it. And I was able to replicate that pattern of success for my clients now going on seven years. So in our post-COVID or emerging from the COVID lockdown era, what we're seeing, what's working? Let's follow the profit from ERP original methodology. Identify and isolate those factors that are common to companies who are having success in the COVID or post-COVID era. Let's take what works elsewhere and bake it into our businesses, whatever size cake we're dealing with. Just simply adjust that recipe. It doesn't mean you'll have a nationwide supply chain of ventilators in six weeks, but it may help you have better operations appropriate to your business in six weeks. Now back to the ventilator story. Late March of this year, the federal stockpile of ventilators was about 16,000. 
Average manufacturing capacity was 30,000. That is about 30,000 ventilators were produced in the entire country every year. Early FEMA estimates said that we might need 130,000 by April 1st. So we needed more than triple the number we could normally produce in a year, only we needed it in three weeks, or so we thought. So it was time for increasing manufacturing capacity. A public-private partnership was immediately formed with some urging from the Defense Production Act, and eventually General Motors, Tesla, Ford, and many others got involved. It usually wasn't about profit for these participating manufacturers. They were happy enough keeping what could have been idle factories open and running and workers getting paid for production instead of unemployment. And remember, we're in the middle of a lockdown. Nobody's buying cars at the Ford dealership anyway, so there's excess there. So it worked out for all involved. The next item of interest was fluctuating demand. States at this time were asking for huge inventories of ventilators. 8,000 of the existing 16,000 reserve were sent to New York State alone. And you might have heard about this. The state distributed half of those ventilators to hospitals, but held on to half in a warehouse so they could distribute them when needed, where needed. That turned out to be a critical data point later on. We also began to see the country was reacting differently in different areas. It wasn't a nationwide outbreak all at the same time. It was a series of regional outbreaks. So actual demand varied at different times. Only every state was requesting peak capacity reserves of ventilators. They want to be prepared for the big rush that they thought was coming. The COVID response team formed what they call the Dynamic Ventilator Reserve. We talked about Ford, GM, and Tesla, but Dyson got into the act, Airbus and Great Britain, McLaren, Siemens, and many more. And the first thing they did was connect all the output forecasts from these different plants and manufacturers and combine where and when ventilators would be produced and would be available. Now, here's a question for you. Do you, in your current internal systems, do you have that flexibility to understand production that's been changed on the fly? Could you connect output data from new suppliers overnight and new partners and configure and report on it tomorrow? Can you forecast with accuracy when and how many you'll deliver on what date? Modern ERP systems handle that, and they have the flexibility to spin up new reports and outputs without calling in an army of consultants. On the other end of that transaction... Can you take information from your suppliers and plug it into your warehouse plans for distribution plotting? Again, not hard for modern ERP. Traditional ERP systems, well, uh, that's usually going to take some consultants and some time. Uh, They can't get out here for a couple of weeks, and the week after that, they'll start developing a plan, add a week for their systems, architecture, quality, and load testing. By the time your traditional ERP could deliver the actual report, Well, apparently you can make about half a million ventilators faster than that. So let's get back to that story. The Dynamic Ventilator Reserve, they looked at demand. They started pulling hospital billing records from Medicare and Medicaid. Business intelligence and FP&A software was able to model an estimate of how many ventilators were actually in use and how many were available at any given hospital on any given day. Could you collect and input actual demand from the retail level in your business to know what exactly is happening in your customers' operations? They could and they did, and it meant a couple of really good things. One, knowing the demand and supply, ventilator inventories were converted from a let's stock everything we'll need for a worst-case scenario inventory to a just-in-time supply chain. 
A particular hospital could be assured if they had some unused ventilators and they shipped out those excess ventilators to where they were really needed, replacements could be promised within 24 to 48 hours, meaning every hospital in the country became a a just-in-time warehouse for the dynamic ventilator reserve because it meant hospitals didn't need to stockpile ventilators for the worst-case scenarios that in many instances never ever materialized. But the system could forecast shifting capacity through the dynamic ventilator reserve to cover any emergency outbreaks wherever and whenever they happened. Number two, By understanding actual demand from the Medicare billing records, there were now two sets of demand data, what a state had requested and what a state actually needed. Now, of course, governors wanted stockpiles of ventilators to prepare for a run on the hospital's worst-case scenario, but with production ramping up and JIT warehouses, there was sufficient supply for today and adequate supply planned for delivery tomorrow. Now, of course, with the feds shipping partial shipments, the press picked up the story that Only a fraction of the ventilators requested were shipped. But that was a feature, not a bug. That was good news, not bad. It meant we more rapidly increased supply and rolled it out where it was needed most. Compare this to the toilet paper supply chain, where most of the nation's toilet paper was hoarded by a guy that lives down the street from me. He has got a 10-year supply in his garage, or at least it looks like it. So the question to you is, do you have the reporting capacity to analyze your actual demand by date in your supply chain? Can you project your customer's past consumption so that if you needed to get out a partial shipment to satisfy them today and give you time to fill an order next week fully, could you do that? Do you see where we're going here? Modern ERP allows you to do these things. It's meant to give you flexibility in a crisis. And and here's a key point. Very important to understand in the world of ERP. When we look at an ERP demo, we're not going to see this flexibility to respond to unknown demands because no one asks for the unknown. It's simply not known in the first place. You don't know what the next crisis in your industry will be. None of us predicted the coronavirus shutdown. So why would we have asked an ERP provider to demonstrate how easy it was to allow workers to work from home? I mean, it was probably mentioned in passing. But did we load test our entire workforce banging into the system from remote locations, unknown machines, with apples, PCs, tablets, a few older home systems running Windows 7? That really never came up in the demo, did it? And that's why you need expert advice when selecting ERP. At Profit from ERP, we've been involved in over 400 ERP projects worldwide. Our partner channel, thousands, yet Everything is going to look good in a demo setting. It's hard to tell one ERP from the other. You cannot visualize dynamic from a static pre-prepared demo. Now, we know that from dealing with different ERP products over many years, some are absolutely tremendous coming out of the box. But future changes are sometimes boxed in by proprietary hard-coded features that integrate to 17 different places within the program. Good luck trying to get that modified. Good luck doing it yourself. That's why someone who's worked in the industry for years can help you separate the really good ERP from the really good ERP demos. You know, one of the number one reasons people will upgrade traditional ERP, hourly consultant rates. I mean... With some of the older ERP systems, every time you want to simply modify a report, you got to call in a consultant. And those ongoing reminders that software consultants are billing out at $225 an hour tend to really get your people in finance uh, a little bit bothered. We hear it time and time again. 
I just want a system where I can design and pull the report I want now. Because we all know what question a report answers, but few of us anticipate what question a report brings up. This is like a hangover, or I guess a holdover from the mainframe era. I mean, back somewhere in the late 80s, I was with a major healthcare concern. We had to submit requests for new reports, and we'd have to wait weeks for the development queue to get to our request. Then we go through a design and quality control process, and soon, soon back then meant three or four more weeks, we'd get that report. We'd look at our new report for five minutes, and everyone would be happy, and all of a sudden we found that it would bring up another question. So you'd start the process all over again to answer this new question. Shampoo, rinse, repeat. It never ended. Today's digital ERP lets you drill down on any number, find out what's behind everything. And any number you can see, you can report on without incurring a consultant bill. Sure, some of your people are going to be better at reporting than others, but everyone can report on anything they have access to see without having to call in the consultants. So, To wrap up our ventilator story, last week the U.S. offered to provide ventilators to any country that needed them. We went from a severe shortage at a critical time to actually having many more than we actually needed. You can question the initial projections and predictive models whether the ventilator crisis was as acute as we first thought, but the main point is response to known data was effective. And what makes this a particularly poignant story is at this point, Our businesses are in the same place as during that initial ventilator demand estimate. We don't know what our actual business environment is going to look like as markets open back up. We can be pretty sure there's going to be disruptions to supply chains and secondary reverberations from those disruptions. Our businesses are going to need to be able to respond effectively, regardless of the conditions ahead. The question many are asking, can we afford to invest in better technology? Can we afford to invest in our business with such uncertainty coming? Well, we are seeing many companies repurpose and refocus their IT spend, so to speak, with an emphasis on digital transformation, ERP, and other systems. Interesting article in the Wall Street Journal last week. We linked to it on the blog post at Profit from ERP. The pull quote is, the only thing better than being essential to the global economy in a crisis That's having the cash to continue to out-innovate your suddenly impoverished competitors. And I'd posit, what's the difference between a company that has no cash and a company that spends no cash? In a lot of cases, it's probably about six months. That's six months between when the no-cash company files for bankruptcy and and when the no-spend company closes up shop too. The article goes on to say Microsoft, Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, they spent $29 billion, that's billion with a B, last quarter on R&D. They spent more than the entire annual R&D budget of NASA in a single quarter. NASA, <laughs> they're, they're only trying to fly to Mars. But the question is, should you be investing in creating a more efficient, productive business? We've seen time and time again over recessionary economies that the companies that do invest come out through the hard times, far in advance of those who decided to hold on their cash and see what happens. So to kind of wrap up, here's the thing. Going through the pandemic lockdown, a lot of company system shortfalls were uncovered. Again, here's a pull quote from the Wall Street Journal about Hertz, great car rental company until air travel shut down just after they'd overpaid for acquiring competitors and and new cars. The quote, The coronavirus has been the proverbial tide going out, exposing who's swimming naked. (laughs) Not a pretty sight in this instance. 
On a more local level, we talked about last week in the podcast how while some digital companies were innovating in response to the coronavirus lockdown, others were swimming naked trying to get their VPN systems operational so that the workforce could simply log in from home. Guys, there is a big difference between a digitally transformed organization and a traditional server-based login four times, do your fingerprint, secret password phrase, do it over and over again every 15 minutes to, to make sure you're barely connected. That's not what we're talking about when we describe a company that's been transformed digitally with secure systems to begin with. And market conditions. What we've seen so far as businesses reopen is margins are tighter and the coronavirus costs are higher. For restaurants and many others, revenues are down as customers trickle back and social distancing limits available capacities. Tight margins, higher costs, lower revenues. So that runway is shorter as you try and land in the post-COVID economy. And a lot of companies that don't change are going to run out of runway. We also know that some sectors of our customers are going to drop off, but there's also opportunities in other customer sectors that will need us more now than ever. To recognize and take advantage of these opportunities, we need good ERP reporting analysis and number crunching. We need solid FP&A systems to model different business approaches. We need to be able to serve our customers more effectively, digitally, and efficiently. And on this high-pressure short runway, we cannot sit still and wait for the tide to go out further, exposing us swimming naked with bad data leading us to worse decisions. We simply don't have the luxury to fake it till you make it. Yeah, we can improve our quality of information with new digital tools, FP&A and ERP software, but there's no time for trying to get this one right. We need certainty of outcome now. That's why we're advising you more than ever to turn to profit from ERP. Our selection consulting service is designed to help you set up your ERP selection project so you can get it right, often getting people going in less than a week to get started and determine your key requirements and get you connected with the best in the business. The Alliance partners who've dealt specifically with the same issues in the same industry, so you're not trying to land a version 1.0 business model on a short runway. It costs nothing to talk about it. Connect with us on Profit from ERP, the website, or email us at info at profitfromerp.com. And we'll set up a discussion on how you can become more digital, more agile, and more precise in operation, efficiencies, and productivities. Next week on the podcast, results from those hundreds of Profit from ERP past clients and thousands of Oracle NetSuite client analytics, along with what some of the leading lockdown escaping companies are doing. Nothing you didn't already know, just presented in a way you might not have thought about yet. Right here on the ER Podcast from Profit from ERP. Like us on Apple Podcasts and forward a link to your friends and you might want to hide that from your competitors. And thanks for listening. I'm Gene Hammonds, Director of Profit from ERP.